Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Lottery Marathon winner is Patrick Clark from Seattle, Washington. Patrick will get a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Anna Alexander, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. But today, something completely different. We're looking at Dick Wolf's British spinoff, Law & Order UK, Season 1. Episode 4, Unsafe. We need all the original signed statements. You'll want another look at the forensic analysis. Techniques have moved on since the first trial. And I suppose you want us to track down all the original witnesses. Read my mind. That's nine years. They could be anywhere by now. We're relying on you. I'm not having Louise Ackroyd watch her dad's killer go free. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. Oh, stop it, please. <laughs> I can't do it. I yeah, can't. You just proved you can't. This whole thing is so weird. This whole thing is so weird. Well, that's why we needed <laughs> we needed a British expert to help us out. So uh, joining us from the Crime by the Bar podcast, it's Anna Alexander. Hi, Anna. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for doing this. I mean, you probably, as someone who's doing a crime podcast, have been exposed to a lot of different British crime, would you find that perhaps the crimes uh, done in America seem, I don't know, more brutal or weirder or perhaps just less polite than the ones in the UK? <laughs> I think um, the the biggest difference, of course, is people get creative over here on this side of the pond. We don't have access to guns, so we see a lot more murders by different means, um, which <laughs> <laughs> is is not uh, is not great, but it's a different flavor, and it, it definitely comes out in our true crime shows and stories. And of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Um, basically anything with Olivia Benson, but uh, nice. I, I really, uh, her and Amaro, yeah, I think that's the best combo. Wow, Amaro, this is the first time somebody has. It's been a long time since we had an Amaro fan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he holds up better than Stapler has? 
Uh, no, but okay. I, <laughs> I was watching the um, the episodes. You know, you know, the other day there's always like a marathon, a marathon on, yeah. and I always feel like a sense of dread. I'm like, ooh, an SVU marathon. That's going to be in the background. But then when it's one of those like um, Amarisodes, no, when it's one of those ones with Lewis. <laughs> oh yeah, you're like, oh, these are so brutal. I can't deal with watching Olivia Benson get tortured by Lewis. But Amaro <laughs> is in those, and he's actually really good in those episodes. I do think that those that's his peak. The Lewis yeah. episode, yeah, just before he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he went out on a high at least. And Anna, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Um, I'm gonna stick with the UK side, Steele and Phillips, actually. Wow! Nice. All right, that is definitely the first time someone has picked that. Well, I have only seen them once. They seem fine. They seem fine, <laughs> and you know they get to wear the little wig. You don't see Stone doing that. McCoy doesn't wear the black robe with the we funny talk about cravat. That. I love the the robe like cravat situation. The wig. Yeah. I know. I, I I know that you guys are used to it, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it is the stupidest freaking thing I've ever seen, especially when it's a woman, and the woman has just like a red hair with a bun, and she has to wear that little thing perched yeah. on top. It's not really a wig. It's it's more like a toupee. It's like because it just like, sits there. It's like a merkin for your head. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really graphic. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, Law and Order UK, season one, episode four, Unsafe. Now, just a note, we understand there is an excellent chance that you, sweet listener, have never seen this episode. Neither way. Or this show. <laughs> but we're going to bring you through it like we would any of the other 1,172 episodes of this franchise that you have seen. <laughs> Well, it looks like it doesn't just happen in Miami Beach. We see an old man out on the shore of the Thames with a metal detector looking to supplement his pension. He discovers a dead body, and Detective Sergeant Ronnie Brooks and his much better-looking partner, <laughs> Detective Sergeant Matt Devlin, are on the case. How long's he been here, Joy? Rough guess. Under 10 years, over two. Any other clues as to his ID? Nope. Even his mouth's empty. Shattered round the sockets, like his teeth have been smashed out. So we got no chance of finding out who it is. No sign of him here. Killer knew what they were doing. Tracing the corpse's expensive wristwatch and the surgical pin in his knee, they determined the body is David Aykroyd. His business partner, Luke Slade, had been convicted of Aykroyd's murder a decade earlier without the body. But Aykroyd was not buried in Chelsea, like star witness Richie Newman said and he was shot and did not get his throat slit. Well, that's a spot of bother for the main character, <laughs> James Steele, the senior Crown prosecutor who won the conviction in the first place. Slade is one suave bugger who represents himself at the appeal. He convinces the court to overturn the conviction and grant him a new trial. Out on bail, Slade makes a show of turning up at Aykroyd's internment, and the victim's daughter blames Steele for letting Slade get out. Steele's obligatory female assistant, solicitor Alicia Phillips, gets Brooks and Devlin to reinvestigate the crime. They turn up a car Slade had access to and find dirt that matched the body, which could have been only found in Chelsea. Well, just moments before the Crown gets to go to trial, their eyewitness Richie has vanished. <sighs> okay, so for the uninitiated. Uh, Law & Order UK has a lot of the elements that we know uh, from OG Law & Order. The opening narration is a bit different. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime 
and the Crown prosecutors who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. Yes. We still have the dunk dunk. Yes. But completely different theme music. So stupid. No, they're not a, a derivative version like the other. The long music horse. is also just terrible and does not match the tone of a police procedural or the tone of this show. It's just very like, um, gosh, I really feel bad. I mean, what if someone who like really, really loves or someone who like worked on this show is listening? You no, know, Anna. God love you guys. <laughs> Anna, Anna did the theme music for this show. Yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so I'm, surprised I'm you with the dead body. <laughs> I think the theme music is not good. It's not good. No. But all the other elements seem to be just fine. Well, you're familiar with both sets of theme songs. What do you think? I, I, I'm completely with Rebecca on this one. I don't think the theme music worked. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, did you guys watch the first episode of the series? I no. have, yeah. Okay. That was like next to level. No, absolutely not. They ran around like Blair Witch style with uh, handicams. And even yeah, there, it the was dark, like they it were, was, yeah. it was weird. There was a lot of at night scenes there. Yeah. No, but even like uh, the, the, the camera was just so shaky and it was so jarring going from normal um, law and order to this. I feel like they toned it down a little bit by the time we got to this episode, but still it was just like overly English for no real reason. So, and the theme music sort of felt the same way. It's, what are you doing here? Can I just add something about the music? Yeah. Aside from the theme music, there were just a lot of bassy musical beats for no reason in this show. You also said that Slade cut Ackroyd's throat. So? He died of a bullet to the head. Like someone would be like, my coffee, it's too hot. Boom. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> like over and over and over again. It was extremely jarring. <laughs> yeah. Now, every British actor apparently has been in one of these Doctor Who. Yeah. Downton Abbey. Yeah. The Crown. Yeah. Or Harry Potter. Or Game of Thrones. <laughs> or Game of Thrones. Yeah. So eventually they all get to run through Law and Order UK as well. So let's just kind of break down a little bit about what this show is. Our main detective is Ronnie Brooks. He's played by Bradley Walsh. Right. One shot. Back of the head. Very professional. Well, it's not a crime of passion. And you'd recognize him from Doctor Who. And in fact, every time we have one of these actors who has been on one of those major shows, yeah. I'm going to play this tone from Big Ben. Okay. Know, sort of <laughs> okay, apropos of nothing. Apropos of nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> So Ronnie Brooks is the affable, twice-divorced, recovering alcoholic estranged from his daughters. Ooh. He is obviously what we'll call the Briscoe character. Oh, Obviously. And his partner is the dreamy Jamie Bamber. I can't even. As the devilish Matt Devlin. Slade's girlfriend made a statement to the original investigation about her car, which Slade used to borrow. Slade sold it for her a couple of days after Ackroyd's disappearance. The original investigation never managed to trace it, but I have. He is impulsive and flirtatious. He's fashioned after Mike Logan. He is so good looking, Rebecca. It's like he's he's an Apollo. I yes, of course he was Apollo of Battlestar Galactica. Jamie Bamber is, to my eyes, to my like very sophisticated, 46-year-old old lady eyes, the best looking person who has ever lived in the entire history <laughs> of the world. I love him 
so much. I literally could watch an entire hour of programming of him just like sewing up a, a hole in a pair of pants. I love him. Hey, Annie, <laughs> do they have hyperbole in uh, Europe? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> I just, I couldn't stand Matt Deflin. I really, like, what is the point of wow. him? All he does is agree with Ronnie. He makes small talk and he flirts yeah. with any woman under 35. And in one of the episodes, he had a hickey on his neck, which is either the most ridiculous <laughs> continuity error because the makeup artist <laughs> made no attempt to recreate it in the next scene or it, he's just the sleaze that he comes across i cannot stand the winking and the flirting and that whole not in my mattress bit um nope nope just <laughs> stay away from alicia she's too good for you i couldn't even pay attention to any of the dialogue <laughs> sorry i i just i've loved him for so long uh-huh. and i and i loved him i love him so deeply and i remember when i watched Battlestar galactica and i was completely shocked to learn he was british i had no idea <laughs> and i saw him talking in an interview and i was like oh my god sorry i just can't he's like you know how i always say with green he is yeah. Gorgeous. Also, uh, just to wrap, <laughs> completely ignoring it, to round out our law side, which is actually the order side when you think about it, but uh, we also have Harriet Walter as Inspector Natalie Chandler. Nail his ID. Your best lead is this watch. It's a classy little timepiece, that. Get it to a watchmaker, see what secrets it yields. She's the Anita Van Buren character. You know her from Downton Abbey. The Crown. Wait, who is she in Down Abbey? And Killing Eve. She was um, a lady somebody. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I had this looked up. Shite. Shite. <laughs> who was she in The Crown? <laughs> Damn it. I, I, I ran it clicking away. <laughs> Firmly. I did this research a little while ago. <laughs> you just know she was in all of the things. I know she was. A hundred percent she was in Game of Thrones too. I guarantee it. <laughs> no, she wasn't. She wasn't in Game of Thrones. <laughs> all right. Fleabag? To... Was she in Fleabag? <laughs> she was not in Fleabag. She was uh, <laughs> Lady Prudence Shackleton apparently in Downton Abbey, oh. if that helps. All right, someone's got you IBD'd out, Kevin Flynn. Yeah. I got beat to the punch. <laughs> Sorry about that. Was she in Scott and Bailey? Uh, she was also in Succession. Uh-huh. I love Succession. Uh, for some reason. Yeah. I love it. All right. They all blend together. I'm pulling the plug it's on so Harry and Walter. All right. <laughs> all right, here's how we know it's Britain. The detectives go to check on the old guy who found the body. Yeah. Old geezer who dug it up got quite a shock. He's drinking tea with four sugars in it while Uniform get his statement. And he's so upset that he got tea with four sugars. <laughs> Hold on to yourself, man. Four sugars. Wow. He was shook. Can't explain, please, Anna. This is pretty accurate. Yeah, why is that a problem, Anna? Four sugars is for... Yeah, builders first thing in the morning and kids, that's it. Um, or <laughs> someone who's in shock. <laughs> it's just too much. It's way too much. <laughs> we do have one thing that people do in the UK that they uh, also do in New York. They don't stop doing what they're doing 
when homicide detectives ask them questions. You stop eating their cheesy mac. Well, why would you? Yeah, how, how about that scene? They go to tell the daughter that they found the father's body and she's still at the dinner table oh, with I her mac that. and cheese and ketchup. That was, pushing it around with her fork. That was so bad. I hated that scene. I, it just made absolutely no sense. So she's, you know, inherited the house and the crockery and apparently not the cutlery from her parents. And she's sitting there pushing what looks like beans and instant mashed potatoes around with a fork on a highly polished <laughs> antique table as the two cops are sitting there with like nice tea with little saucers it's just like why couldn't they have given her a knife why couldn't they have given her a placemat that table would be wrecked if her mom died a year before it's just no it made absolutely no sense i mean it was like she was talking about so she inherited i mean granted i'm not going to pretend that she you know does did not have it rough but she says, like, I inherited the house, I inherited the cars, and yet I'm miserable. And I'm like, maybe that's because you're eating, like, a spoiled six-year-old right now. Maybe you can, like, <laughs> up to the cuisine, get some takeout sushi or something, get some good takeaway. It would be yeah. a lot better for you. Get some big girl food. <laughs> it was super depressing, just sitting at the end of the table. And stop the cutting your cut. hair yourself. Maybe yeah. that would help. Yeah. Oh. I mean, was it just to make her seem relatable, the whole emo thing and the ketchup bottle? Like... <laughs> I don't know. You're 23. Get over it. We had to know that she's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we all know that brown sauce would be the sauce, not ketchup, right? I don't know, yeah. Anna. Ke- could you verify? We had so much brown sauce when we were in London. Yeah, you're totally right. Like To me, it looked like beans and potatoes. And why would you have ketchup with that? What is wrong with you? No, I don't know. no, no. <laughs> like, someone didn't do know. research. <laughs> so they're going to go to court now. And they wear the powdered wigs and all that great <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> and uh, it's still it's Steele and Phillips. And uh, who's just waiting at the door? It, but it's Luke Slade himself mm. smoking a f- <laughs> I'm totally going to have to bleep that, right? No. Okay. That's what it's called. I'm still yeah. going to bleep it. <laughs> uh, first of all, where does uh, Luke Slade get a suit and a fucking pocket watch? <laughs> <laughs> Roll right out of prison. Where's your barrister? I'm representing myself at the Court of Appeal. I spent the last eight years with time on my hands, so I studied the law. How's your wife? Um, what are you, separated or divorced? Listen, you have a lot of time to spend. I mean, you're going to talk about like the guy who plays Luke Slade, discount Richard Chamberlain yeah, yeah, himself. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, he, um, you know, he apparently just like kept all of his duds in in storage and had someone to go fetch them for him or something or he had time to visit a haberdashery on his way to court i don't know he was very well dressed <laughs> yeah so I, i'm assuming that that was probably the suit he was wearing when they put him in jail because <laughs> oh. it was waiting for him on the way out he That's certainly didn't go over to harrods right and, he didn't have a lawyer to bring him clothes yeah explain that <laughs> go ahead anna explain that i mean <laughs> The guy, I just, he's been in everything, but he just seems like a discount. He seems like the highest paid amateur actor in the world. Like, I I really love how Ian Glenn, the actor, comes across in interviews in real life, but I just cannot stand his acting style. It was just so breathy, overdramatic. It it drove me crazy. Um, But as it went on, I just sort of felt sorry for him and then thought maybe all of the the over-the-top suits and maybe that was just in place just so we didn't like him i don't know it it made zero sense he did have a lot of connections maybe he just sent out for a suit while he was there well this is a good time i think to transition into our hey it's that guys hey it's that guys (laughs) hey it's 
that guy. We're going to touch on the rest of the cast, but we may as well uh, get with the actor playing Luke Slade. Uh, as you correctly identified, Anna, that's Ian Glenn. Is it your submission that the Crown relied on evidence they knew to be false? Not knowingly, my lord. But the discovery of Mr. Aykroyd's body has established that neither the cause of death nor the place of burial as advanced in the original case were correct. Uh, you will know him as Sir Richard Carlyle, Lady Mary's would-be suitor on Downton Abbey. Ugh, least favorite would-be suitor. <laughs> yeah, we're not supposed to like him. And Jorah Mormont on Game of Thrones, Ugh. Mike Lisi. Ugh. Uh, he's also... <laughs> <laughs> Another very slappable character. <laughs> Look, he's also Bruce Wayne on Titans, the oldest actor ever to play him. And of course, he's been on... Doctor Who. <laughs> um, he's a graduate of the Royal Academy. He's been called the greatest Scottish theater actor of his generation. Anna, is that an insult? I think it is. <laughs> Come on. Sean Connery's fantastic. Although I have no idea if he did theater. No, I, I don't know. He's just, he was the only one that just was completely unconvincing. And no, I, I just, I couldn't stand him and... I, I know that's the point, but wow, he was just so unconvincing. Get him off my screen. I don't know. I, I really kind of liked him in this role. What about you, really? Rebecca? Um, I mean, to me, he's yeah. very par for the course. Like he's well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go out for has... a beer with him, but I thought he made, he played a good, suave, slimy bad guy. <laughs> he definitely has a note. I mean, that is his note, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like everybody has like their. Can I actually ask a question about the actor who plays Steel? Is he in other things? Is he for another yeah. one of other things? Because he he also you, looks like Daniel Craig's like sad cousin, right? right? Now, do you know the name of the actor playing James Steel? Anna, you probably do. Um, All right, I'll help you out. That's Ben Daniels. If this were to render the conviction unsafe, it would reward Mr. Slade for lying to Mr. Newman. He played Princess Margaret's husband, Lord Snowden, in The Crown. Oh, that's where I know him from. That was where I know him from. Okay, that makes sense. Although in that, he did not so much look like Daniel Craig's sad cousin. No, he did not. <laughs> he looked like the brother-in-law to the queen. Uh, <laughs> the rakish yeah. brother-in-law to the queen. queen. Ben Daniels has an EGOT. Uh-huh. No, actually, he worked with someone with an EGOT. He played, <laughs> <laughs> he played Pontius Pilate in Jesus Christ Superstar when John Legend won his Emmy Award. Okay. So he's uh, adjacent to talent? He, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the same casting director said, yeah, he can come on. <laughs> this one he seems solo. fine. <laughs> yeah. Annie, so you, you like Ben Daniels in this role. Yeah, I, I think um, he was... He was convincing. This this was the only episode where you don't really see his arrogance come through. But um, you know, he he just worked. Um, what I didn't like so much was this episode didn't seem to, um, you know, show all of his best qualities. Where he's sort of uh, running headfirst into the cases and um, you know has complete unshakable uh, faith in himself. Mm -hmm. He he did come across as slightly castrated for whatever reason in this episode. And um, that was a bit of a shame, but he uh, he's still, I think he's great. Yeah, and uh, James Steele, Ben Stone, uh, I think this guy's combination, kind of the Stone and McCoy character. I think he's more of a McCoy. I don't know, <clears throat> maybe like the Rubik's Cube doing is more of a Ben Stone thing, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he seems bad. super good at it. Yeah, well, I mean, he's probably not McCoy because he has a nice relationship and not an inappropriate one 
with Alicia Phillips. <laughs> uh, the solicitor, anybody know the name of this actress? Richie Newman's disappeared. How can he have? No one's seen him for three days. The last charge on his credit card was a one-way plane ticket to Thailand. Yeah, that's uh, Freema Agamemnon. She was in Carrie Diaries um, as yeah. Larissa. I, I haven't seen her in anything else, though. You mean you didn't see her in Doctor Who? <laughs> right now, she's playing Dr. Helen Sharp on NBC's New Amsterdam. Haven't seen it. Is it good? But you've seen the commercials. Yes, I have. You have. How much Doctor Who have you watched, by the way? I haven't really watched Doctor okay. Who. Okay. <laughs> but I just know that everyone's in it. Uh, we have also uh, George Castle, the director of the Crown Prosecution Service. Uh, that's Bill Patterson. Yep. Where do we know this actor from? He's Fleabag's dad. Yes. <laughs> Feels a one thing, but the rough and tumble of a full murder trial is quite another. Was he also in Doctor Who? Yes, he was in Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> and I like him here because he had more lines than in Fleabag. <laughs> or at least he could say a whole sentence. I think I'm the only one who hasn't seen Fleabag. I <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. It's, it's very terrible. good. You should watch it. It's I, super good. I keep hearing. That. <laughs> hey, so our our last uh, actor here we're going to talk about is the jailhouse snitch Danny Doyle. Who's mm. that? I used to call him the monk on the wing. Just sat there day in day out reading his legal books, making notes. Oh, Michael Smiley. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's from my hometown actually. Um, so, really? Yeah, of about 10,000 people. So, um, yeah, I, he's fantastic. Um, We've seen him as uh, Benny, the computer whiz on Luther. Oh, that's right. And any other important roles, uh, Anna? Well, for any British listeners, um, they'll know him as Tires from Spaced, where he is a raver bike messenger that's been messed up by drugs and... Apparently, that was basically based on him. Um, Space was the TV series that launched Simon Pegg's career. Huh. Ah. And he was on Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Slade has a real set of balls on him. First of all, when he's in court, he's just whipping through uh, citing cases. Yeah. You can tell what he's been doing while he's in prison. Yeah. Well, he said he's been doing that while he's in prison, to be fair. <laughs> in support, I'm relying upon the authority of Crown and Anderson 2005. At 98 Criminal Appeal Reports, My Lords, page 207, which I'm sure you all know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've been studying. Clearly he had. Yeah, he hasn't been eating or working out because he still fits in that suit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what kind of a nickname is the monk when uh, Danny Doyle said that was his nickname in prison? Like, really? I'm not going to lie. He was a better lawyer than Steele in this episode. I don't know anything about Steele. All I know is that he brought 700 binders to court with him. <laughs> Slade had none. And he was better. Yeah. One of the interesting things we we learned, we Americans learned about uh, the court system there is that when the defendant or the the convict comes into court, where he stands is in this giant cage, cage zoo cage <laughs> off to the side. He doesn't get a chair. He just got to stand there and he's not going anywhere. It's quite the sight. Meantime, every, all the men are in dresses and wigs. And they address each other as Lord. <laughs> it's pretty a feat. Yeah. I mean, it's not always a cage. Sometimes, like, if you watch Broadchurch or something, it's a glass box. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's the same thing. <laughs> same thing. The cage just has more character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So to reinvestigate 
Uh, Devlin finds online the car of Slade's girlfriend <laughs> that went missing eight years ago. Nine. And, nine. Yeah, nine years ago. <laughs> and it's uh, some convoluted thing that they find dirt that was probably from Chelsea and sand that was moved probably from the wharf. And so the body could have been buried and then dug up and then moved. And I'm like, Nine years and no one has vacuumed the interior of that car. <laughs> and nobody mentions that. I mean, Slade is such a good pro se lawyer. You would think when they said, we found dirt in the car, he would have been like, nine year old dirt? Really? Like, you're <laughs> like, seriously, what's the chain of custody on that dirt? No one mentions that at all. It's crazy. Yeah. And then apparently nine years and nobody added any dirt. Seems like it. I mean, I don't understand why James Steele didn't object to anything. It was ridiculous. Like uh, when Luke Slade was in the witness box answering his own questions and then just started on a long ramble about how they were after him. It just, it it made no sense. It was not James Steele's finest episode. By the way, it's not even his car. <laughs> no, it's his girlfriend's it's the car, It's girlfriend's right? car. Yeah. My favorite is when he's questioning himself and he's like, and that's my final question for me. (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. (laughs) By the way, when the tech is explaining, like, how they found detritus. Uh, Traces of assorted human detritus, mostly exfoliated skin and the parasites that feed on it. Stuff you might find in your mattress. Devlin turns to Alicia and says, not in my mattress. Not in my mattress. <laughs> it was the grossest thing. It was the grossest thing. I don't know. Thing. Rebecca went sploosh when she heard that. I, I, I could watch him knit a sweater, Kevin. I could watch him knit a sweater. <laughs> I could watch him boil an egg. Have I mentioned I think he's very good looking? Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Now let's look at the second half of this episode. With Richie missing, the Lord won't allow his previous statements in. They are able to present Slade's to-do diary, which said, 9 p.m., kill David. (laughs) Polite English murmur, polite English murmur. murmur. Uh, Steele gets Slade's cellmate, Danny Doyle, to rat on him, but on cross-examination, Slade reveals Doyle's past perjury. It's just too much for the jury to acquit him of the murder charge. In what is likely the most serious of English rebukes, Slade... Lodges a complaint. <laughs> I can't steal. This letter gives you one week's notification of your hearing date for gross misconduct. Tell them the rest. You're entitled to bring a friend or representative who can address the hearing and put your case. Uh, I'll be speaking for myself. We play by the rules, James. Discipline in a hearing carried out to the letter so that when it is dismissed as valueless bollocks, then he has no room to appeal. So he's off the job until the hearing, and Alicia wants to know, hey, whatever happened to Richie? They, which they just get around to like weeks later wondering. They learn Slade had represented cellmate Doyle in a complaint, <laughs> <laughs> which is why he intentionally tanked on the stand. Danny leads them to Freddy, who leads them to Richie's dead body in the boot of a junked car. Vindicated by the turn of events, Steele charges Slade for murder. 
Now, nearly all of uh, Law & Order UK episodes are based on episodes from Original Recipe. Really? Yeah. They're essentially rewrites. This was based on the season four episode, American Dream. It's extremely close. Buried body, pin in the knee. Leads to a missing junk bond trader. Uh, not a dot-com guy like in the UK version. His partner was convicted. He represents himself. The witness disappears. The cellmate is a perjurer. He wins in court. Sues Ben Stone. They f- uh, follow the trail to a dead witness in a trunk. He's charged with the new murder. Even the uh, original dialogue is copied. In the real world, the world assumes that if you're charged, you must be guilty. You know, it's assumptions like that it took away my life. So let me have what's left of it. People assume that if you're charged with a crime, you must be guilty. Assumptions like that took my life away. Please, let me live what's left of it. Well, if you want to watch Law & Order UK, uh, you can. It's on Sundance, Sundance Now, mm. um, and available on Amazon and whatnot. It, it is, if you're a completist, it is a fun show to watch. It's different, of course, because... They don't have guns. They don't have guns. <laughs> Anna, if you were a fan of both shows, would you like to see an anglicized version of the story or be turned off by that? I would rather not see an anglicized version. I, I think it sort of works better when you have it written for purpose, and it did come through in a few places, um, more with other episodes than this one. But, um, yeah, it, it did feel like they were just replacing certain words and Americanisms with uh, the British equivalents. And it did make me cringe a little bit whenever uh, they're kind of shoehorning in saying um, coppers and... Uh, Have a nicer yeah. Nick. Yeah, that <laughs> you're was in the a prison. bad Have a nicer one. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a bit much. It was a bit cringing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and a lot of these episodes, yeah, they really are taking big chunks of the original script and, you know, using them again. I don't believe Mr. Darnell's changed at all. I think he's as dangerous now as when I prosecuted him. I don't think Mr. Darnell's changed at all. I think he's just as dangerous as he was when I prosecuted him. He was found, he was found guilty, guilty of three vicious rapes. Six vicious rapes. He was a suspect in two others. He was a suspect in seven others. Law and Order is so classic. I mean, doesn't it make sense? That you, you know? Well, but here's the thing. Those original scripts were meant with those original actors in mind. Probably. So then you get scenes where actors are sort of imitating the performances of other actors in a way. And as much as when I first started watching this, I thought Steele was more of a McCoy. Mm-hmm. He totally was doing an impression of Ben Stone on the sidewalk when he threw all his junk on the ground. That was so like that like indignant outsized rage at somebody lodging a <clears throat> complaint yeah. which everybody knows like is just something that happens right especially in the u.s like you get you lodge a complaint against a prosecutor even if you win that complaint like nothing happens to that prosecutor and only ben stone would turn it into like the end of the world and they had that happen here too by making it seem like it would be the worst thing that ever happened yeah in the american version it was a civil lawsuit afterwards it was going to take him down for millions and then He's able to swing it around because that's what you do in America. Yeah. You go after their fucking money. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about that scene. Slade confronts Steele on the street, taunts him. Because he's literally everywhere. And, yeah. Slade yeah. is everywhere. He just keeps com- coming out of the shadows. He's always in the inky shadows. How does he know where everybody is all the time? It's really stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is the problem. You've lost all sense of what's right. You're an obsessive. Let it go, James. What were his last words? 
This man that you loved so much. Did he beg you for mercy? Or didn't he even know it was you who shot him from behind? How many bodies must be buried in London? This city was built on corpses. Why does this one matter so much to you? They all matter. So, I mean, they have this great argument, and it really shows that when you study at the Royal Academy, you are overqualified to act in a derivative police procedure. <laughs> they all matter. <laughs> I mean, when he said that, like, he, he was sending uh, cards to the victim's daughter on the anniversary of the death every year. Like, how many cards is he sending every year if they all matter? That's just insane. That is a question that I had because she said, Steele sends me a card every year to find out how I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, him sending you something is not a way to find out how you're doing. That's like making you have to do work. Yeah. Like he could just pick up the phone oh, and say, fuck, another car? I have to write back now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get to the post. Um. <laughs> I just love the scene with uh, Luke Slade and James Steele. Like the, the whole altercation, you just know there's got to be some fan fiction there in some corner of the internet. Like I, Rebecca, you can have your Jamie Bamber. Don't care, but I want the two of them on the screen all the time. That was, I could rewatch that scene. Slade and Steel and Slade some and Steel. Yeah, all the breathy, smoldering. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Stayed. let's be real. It was like the opening scene to an adult film. Like, let's have the contrived. <laughs> Here we are in the police interrogation room with like two really intense men like whispering at each other across the table. <laughs> I just kept waiting for the bow chicka bow music to like <laughs> clink on, right? <laughs> I mean, they can't take themselves that seriously. The angry argument on the street there, that's a... Uh, they all matter! <laughs> the level of homoeroticism is... <laughs> I think that's what Anna's getting at. Yeah. No, it worked. Uh, there's another great scene that I liked. Is we get Steele and his boss, George Castle, who is our Adam Schiff character. Castle is not pleased that Slade is outmaneuvering Steele. Hey, remind me, who's the qualified barrister and who's the novice? The charging officer never logged Doyle's perjury charge on the PNC system. I'm not losing this trial because of some administrative balls. No, you're losing it because your witnesses are an aggrieved ex-lover and a convicted perjurer. Slade's running rings around you in there. Thanks for your support, George. And uh, maybe when he finds Slade innocent, I'll offer him your job. You do that! Both of you, stop! I'll offer him your job. Well, man, that cuts right to the bone, George. It's a little harsh. Yeah, that was unnecessary. I mean, it's true he will need work, but... That was one of those scenes, I guarantee, I have not seen the original episode here, mm-hmm. that I bet that original scene took place at a hot dog cart. Am I right or am I no, wrong? No, you're wrong. It happened in Schiff's office. Oh. First day of law school. Known perjurers do not make good witnesses. How could I know what happened in Van Court, Texas? Swan was privy to prison gossip. He researched it. Maybe right about Swan. The papers are turning him into a folk hero. When he gets acquitted, I might offer him a job. He did say he was going to give. <laughs> he was going to give the guy uh, I mean, Stone's job. Slade had eight years to prep for one case. It's a little bit of an unfair comparison. That's true. He was and, monkeying it the whole time. Plus, he's a ninja, and he can be anywhere at any time, apparently. He's got scary. magic powers. <laughs> Another great scene I like that they copied from the American version is where they go looking for the potential hitman, Freddy. Mm. So the guy at the work site says, yeah, he's not here. So Devlin goes off, looks at some guys, and he goes, Oi, Freddy. Hey, Freddy, to see who turns around. <laughs> and then there's a chase, a foot chase. And so Devlin takes off, and Brooks, 
just does a sidestep. He buttons up his coat. He's like, fuck that. I'm not running. <laughs> I'm too old. Which is just what Briscoe would do. Exactly. He has no interest in running at his age. And it seems that the guy runs in a circle and then back into Brooks. Guess what, Freddy? You don't have to say anything. <gasps> but it may harm your defense if you do not mention. Now, the American version, Logan yells at a guy named Georgie. Hey, Georgie! And chases him around back to Briscoe, except Briscoe's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so it would actually make him stop. Yeah. There's all, literally no reason for this guy to stop at all. Well, all Brooks <laughs> has is his disappointed look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that guy thinks, Freddie thinks he's going to be able to fight uh, Devlin, right? What yeah. he doesn't know is that Devlin was the boxing champion on Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> so he doesn't have a chance. Yeah, he's done for. <laughs> yeah. I did like the arrest scene, though, too, when they caught him running and stretching. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a little overdone. They they did the shot through the bars as he's stretching. Yeah. Yes. Of course it was overdone. It was a little <laughs> bit like, oh, is this foreshadowing to him going back to, I don't know, prison? <laughs> Morning, gents. Enjoying the day. We're about to. But Kevin, this brings up a classic law and order problem that we get all the time. Yeah. How did they know where he was? He was out for a run. <laughs> I'm sure that was his house. Was it? Yeah, because he just got out of jail <laughs> and he can afford a giant Tony house <laughs> by some park. In Chelsea, remember? In Chelsea, yeah. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. Like the American episode which inspired it, this British episode takes cues from the story of the Billionaire Boys Club. Organiser Joe Hunt led a group of wealthy Beverly Hills 20-somethings in an investment fraternity, but it was just a massive Ponzi scheme to finance the Playboy's parting lifestyle. When clients started asking questions, Hunt needed to find a new source of money. He hoped to swindle his new associate, Ron Levin, out of his $5 million trading account. When the boys' club tried to steal it, they realised Levin swindled them instead. Furious, Hunt killed the double-crossing con man. Hunt's new plan involved the father of club member Razor Eslaminia. The crew was to abduct and torture him so he'd transfer his wealth to his son. But the man accidentally suffocated inside a steamer trunk while being transported by the kidnappers. Detectives looking at the crimes honed in on the billionaire's boys club. Hunt's defence for killing Ron Levin was, he isn't dead. 
He argued the conman was alive and well, living in hiding, spending all of their money. The jury didn't buy what he was selling, though. Joe Hunt is currently serving a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. I love it when we have a guest on who understands what Cy Freighter is actually saying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Hunt is apparently the only defendant in California to represent himself in a capital murder and not get the death penalty. Really? Yeah. Huh, good, that was So real. good for him. That was really- I'm impressed. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, true fact on Hunt's to-do list, it said, kill Ron Levin. <laughs> no. I couldn't yeah. understand why that was in the script. That just seemed so ridiculous, but wow, okay. No, apparently some assholes do that. I guess the question <laughs> is, if you want to put it on your to-do list, like, why would you put the full name first and last- like, couldn't you just put your initial, like, K-R-L? And, like, you know it means kill Ron Levin. Like, you're not going to forget. Yeah. But, like, later someone won't be able to look at it and say, hey, you wrote here that you were going to kill Ron Levin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Anna, you know that you're so angry. Why don't you just put down, pick up milk? <laughs> because you know the code. I don't it's know. It's like on your Outlook calendar at work when you have a personal errand that you're going to do in the middle of the day, but you know other people can see your Outlook calendar at work. Yeah. So you just put like, call with Bill. And you know that means go get a pedicure because <laughs> there is no Bill. <laughs> I think that's because you you only have one or two errands that you're running in the middle of the day that you shouldn't be. This guy probably had a lot of people on do not like or kill lists. And, you know, it's yeah. difficult to keep track of. So maybe there was a Ron that pissed him off as well. And he was just on a don't send a Christmas card to <laughs> list. Uh, hey, there was a 1987 miniseries on NBC, The Billionaire Boys Club, yep. starring Judd Nelson as Hunt. And your boy, Ron Silver, is Ron Levin. My ex-boy. Your ex-boy, yeah, the <laughs> yeah. late Ron Silver. No, I mean, I also didn't like him shortly before he died. I loved him, uh -huh. and then I hated him, and then he died. So he's Ooh. my ex-ex-boy. So he never, you never got a chance to reconcile. I never got a chance to reconcile with Ron Silver, no. <laughs> so, uh, true fact, as facts apparently are, <laughs> uh, the Menendez brothers watched the miniseries and began planning the murders of their parents. Oh, jeez. So, wow. nice job, television. <laughs> so there was a 2018 film called The Billionaire Boys Club. I started Taron Egerton. Uh, any idea why you have not heard of this movie? No. Uh, it's because it also starred Kevin Spacey. It came out <laughs> no. right after the sexual misconduct accusations did. And it got buried. It had a $15 million budget. Any idea how much it made on its opening day? Ooh. $126. <laughs> oh, wow. $126. All right. I mean, that's a prime candidate for... I think the three of us could put something together. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. They need to CGI Kevin Spacey's face. I didn't have, surely. I know. So many things. So many things. I keep saying to Kevin, I'm like... Oh, that was ruined too now, wasn't oh, it? Oh, the usual suspects. Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> American Beauty. Shit. Yeah. At least Twice of Cards, uh, it still works in the last season at least. Yes. <laughs> but wow. Yeah, he's, he's selling it there. Hey, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Anna Alexander. Anna, where can our listeners follow you online? Thank you for having me. They can find my podcast at Crime by the Bar on Twitter or me at Anna in Amsterdam. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Well, if there weren't a coronavirus outbreak happening, I'd 100% be flying to Amsterdam to visit Anna. I've always wanted to go there. But in the meantime... She doesn't want you on her couch, Rebecca. Uh, in the meantime, they can find me at 
RebLavoy on Twitter and Instagram. And you can tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.